And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbrough. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog with the big... Oh. What's up, everybody? Uh, man, hey, Sleep, I'm glad to be back in the uh, pod, in the studio with you virtually. Uh, got a great pod, a lot of, a lot of things to discuss, uh, lots happening, and uh, it's we better enjoy it while it lasts because we're about to enter no man's land or the most boring time of the year. Hmm. I just backdrop here, look like I'm in solitary here in my spare bedroom in my house, still under construction, but uh, wow. yeah, dude, we got... Yeah, exactly. Nothing. Nothing going on in this room except the pod. Uh, sure ain't the nest. They ain't been there in a while. We got all kinds of NBA to get to. So I realize that really, uh, you know, sort of ostracizes about 80% of our fan base. But nonetheless, NBA is clicking on all cylinders. And it's the last, last, uh, last little bit of sports we got left for a while. So enjoy it. We're going to get into that. Freaking heat, dude. Last night, pulled it out. Uh, just smoke the Celtics. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about Game Six. I think I think they might have got robbed in anyway in Game Six. Uh, we'll get into that. Elliot Kedo, uh, reclass coming into school next year. We just found out right before we went in a pod. Caleb Love going to Arizona. Speaking of Heat, uh, so we'll see what he's got going on. Should Caleb Martin have been the MVP? We'll talk about that. We're gonna ask AI, not Allen Iverson, but artificial intelligence. Uh, something that lacks on this show, so we had to generate it artificially. Who will win the finals? Um, and maybe a few other things, man. You never know. Oh, is is LeBron going to retire? Should the Spurs trade the number one pick? We'll get in all kinds of stuff. Anyway, only thing that people really going to care about here, Big Hulk, is your feeling on Carolina. And uh, you know, we get this kid coming in. He's five star. Supposed to be, dude. I, I, like I said, like three weeks ago, I just mailing it in right now. I show me when the season starts. But you know, what do you know about this kid? Sheed, our buddy Sheed, real true fans. Remember when she just gave you a couple lead pipe locks? Everybody lost the farm on about two years ago. Um, sent us this very weird picture today of him watching Cadeau in live in action. Um, so. But he knows about as much of them as I do. So what do you got? What do you know about him? Ellie Cadeau is a dynamic point guard, true point guard, and he is a five-star recruit that is reclassifying to play for UNC next year. This will change the, the dynamic of the team. This will give us a another primetime player. Uh, it's good because we can move RJ over to the shooting guard, um, and I'm expecting RJ to have a big year next year. I thought – Going off of this year, he was our most improved player. I thought he added a lot to his game, and he is more consistent. <clears throat> so that's the one guy I'm really looking forward to watching this year. But Cadeau is going to be big time for us. He can pass. He can play. He's a five-star, uh, and he's going to give us uh, you know, three three big-time players. Uh, you have R.J. Davis, who I'm expecting to have a big, big year. Um, you have Armando, and now you have Elliott. Cadeau. Um, probably saying his ring, name wrong, but he's going to be a big-time player. No disrespect. I can't even say uh, hands, bro. Uh, but the other new sleep is Caleb Love. We all know um, issues getting into Michigan, whatever the, the real reason was, will never really be uh, understood by me, at least. But he's going to Arizona uh, to play for Tommy Lloyd. And also, 
longtime uh, UNC Tar Heel assistant, Steve Robinson. So wishing him the best of luck in Tucson. Uh, I think Tucson's a great place. They were definitely on the rise. Obviously, they got upset this year, I think, by Princeton in the tournament early on. But they have some players. They're going to be a good team. I think it was going to be a really good fit for them because they desperately needed point guards and the guy Kerr, uh, who is a big-time player for Arizona, also transferred. So it looks like he's going to step right in and play big uh, for Arizona. You know what might have happened? He might have heard the pot because one of the first things you said when we found out he was going to Michigan was like, hey, buddy, you can get cold up there, you know? And, like, <laughs> dude, not only is he not going to get cold because he's not going to Michigan, but he's not going to get cold because he's going to be in Arizona. He's never going to be cold again. Um, so, you know, hopefully for Caleb's sake, he gets hot from three-point line and, uh, you know, gets a little, um, you know, Good rebound on his resume. You know what I mean? Headed into uh to next year's draft class. It is cool. I forgot about uh Steve Robinson being there. So so maybe there's uh you know, I, I think for all intents and purposes, like it's 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 very overblown that somehow I guess Caleb didn't like Carolina. I mean, maybe he just felt like there was a better opportunity for him somewhere else. And, you know, we've we've talked a lot about it and we continue to talk a lot about all this store stuff because that's just unfortunately where we are right now. But, you know, I hope he does great, man. Um, let's say play Carolina. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a unique place for him to end up. It's a big-time program. You know, oh, yeah. Like you said, they're on the rise. So, I yeah, I, I don't know, man. If you if you put me in a vacuum and said, would you rather play at Arizona or Michigan, I'd rather play at Arizona. So, uh, good for him. Yeah. So, I mean, West Coast, uh, it's a great campus, good weather year-round. And also, you got to think about this sleep. Um, Caleb was actually recruited by Coach Williams. And so, he, he came here to play for Coach Williams and – you know, maybe Coach Robinson was helping uh, with that recruiting process. I'm not really sure. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm always in for a kid wanting a fresh start. It seemed like he was taking a lot of the pressure and a lot of the heat mm-hmm. uh, overall, which if you come to a big-time program, you believe me, you're going to be under a microscope and you got to be able to take that. But sometimes you just need a fresh start and, you you know, it's good for the mentals and maybe he can do whatever he wants to accomplish at Arizona and, uh, you know, be happy doing that. So I wish him nothing but the best there. You know, I saw some other commentary, you know, a lot of it around him has been um, that, you know, he's taking bad shots and he doesn't shoot well and all this sort of stuff. But then part of that is like, you know, it gets stuck running the offense. And you got the ball, you know, 30 feet from the basket with six seconds on the shot clock. Somebody's got to shoot the ball. Yeah. And I think the one thing I always liked about Caleb, who is still one of my, um, one of my, one of the players I like more. I wouldn't say he's one of my favorite players, but he's definitely one of my favorite players on the team the last few years. Um, yeah. He wasn't afraid, man. So, so he's getting all that, all that talking. He wasn't going to stop shooting the ball. So everybody, you know, made him out to be this guy that only really cared about himself. And, you know, if you really kind of think about it, man, <laughs> well, there ain't no time left to shoot it. Somebody's got to do it. And he wasn't afraid. So I always appreciate that. And I'll never forget what he gave us back there uh year before last. So a lot of people seem to have, but, you know, obviously wish him the best. Yeah. And I, I can say this sleep. I, I know Caleb. Caleb's a good kid too. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not like he had an attitude problem or something like that. Every time I saw him, he was respectful to me and I'm, and, and, uh, so I respect kids like that nowadays. So I wish him nothing best. I know he did put the work in too. Yep. Uh, so I wish him, you know, all the best. Hope he bounces back. Yeah. Uh, speaking of bouncing back, dude, heat game last night. You serious? Did you watch this? Like I, uh, I 
Man, it's a struggle. These 8.30 tips, dude. I can't tell you how many times I fall asleep during the game and only to wake back up at a later stage of the game and just be really surprised that, you know, um, I woke up before tomorrow morning. Um, he just throttled him last night, dude. I, I, the big couple questions I had for you. Just let's start with. I wonder if we want to let's start with game seven. First play of the game, basically. Jason Tatum comes down, rolls his ankle. Uh, I'm not, not exactly an athlete anymore, but it looked kind of inconsequential. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. I'm not saying like, but it wasn't like he just had high ankle sprain and was out there just, you know, uh, Willis Reed. Um, do you, how much do you think that impacted him last night? Because he sucked. The Celtics, the Celtics sucked all around, but Tatum was basically like, not, I think he had 14 points last night in game seven. This guy's supposed to be like on the come up. And I'm sorry, dude, you roll your ankle. Um, and I, look, what I would have done is two things. One, so they weren't treating him on the sideline. Like they weren't wrapping it, you know. He didn't even stop and tie his shoes tighter. And then, you know, it, it just seemed like when he was missing shots, he was kind of like limping around. Now, if I was him, what I would have done is I'd have left the damn stadium and showed up at my press conference in a walking boot on crutches, you know, all that shit, make it, make it sound like. But he, he kind of blamed it on that in the, in the interview. You know, basically said he was like a shell of himself. And I don't know, man. I just felt like, dude, you went down 3-0. You, you were nowhere to be found while you are healthy in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you came back, and, and then you just got smoked at home. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I've, I like Jason Tatum, but I felt like he kind of backed down from the challenge and and, and maybe used uh, that ankle injury as more of an excuse than probably it should have been. Listen, Sleep Dog, my all-time favorite, one of my all-time favorite NBA moments is NBA Finals, Paul Pierce. Mm. I think it was an ankle. Do you remember that? Goes down oh, yeah, he's finals. lucky to survive that one. They wheel him out in a wheelchair. Wheelchair. Wheel, wheel him out in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah. Then all of a sudden, just like something out of a Rocky movie, he's he comes running back out, and you could see the stadium just like you could just see everyone, yeah, getting up into it. And that to me, that's a legend. Okay, that's oh, that's not that that is a superhero. Okay, <laughs> Paul Pierce. And here's what uh, people want in, in Boston. They want Jason Tatum to be Paul Pierce. Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's not, he's not that good yet. And I get, mm -hmm. he's going to be really, really good. And he'll probably be maybe better than Paul Pierce, but he is not Paul Pierce right now. And he's not on that level. Okay. So uh, the one thing that is frustrating is I, I do think it affected him. And clearly it did because he didn't have the best game, but <laughs> listen, when you're that player, okay, you've got to be able to take the heat from the media and from other people who say, man, dude, what, why didn't you show up? Okay, you're paid like that. Okay, Paul Pierce, okay, you know what he did? You know, he played through that sprain and became like that. I mean, that's why he's Paul Pierce. That story just grew and grew. And, um, man, I just – I really wanted the Celtics to win because – because you called it. Well, that it makes me look a hell of a lot smarter. <laughs> a lot of people looked like me. I was dumb. I had I had a lot of ammo in there. I was going to ask you if <laughs> if Charlotte won it, uh, <laughs> but uh, oh god, I um, there's this one thing I really do like Joe Missoula for uh, the Celtics, their head coach right now. 
and I really feel like he's taking a lot of criticism. Yeah. But I think a lot of it comes down to the players too. Jalen Brown mm-hmm. didn't have all that good of a game. Mm-hmm. He had a lot no. of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Tatum, I mean, he didn't play his best. Obviously, we're sitting here talking about how bad he played. Regardless of the ankle sprain, you play. Okay, I don't want to hear about how bad your injury is. Okay, to my guy Mad Dog on ESPN talking about if you play the game, okay, injured, I don't want to hear about how injured you were and why you couldn't perform. Okay, you're the superstar. You figure a way out how to have a positive impact on the game. Also, I didn't like the fact that the Celtics just settled for threes. Obviously, they mm-hmm. weren't making threes, so they kept missling more. Uh, I just felt like this new era of where everyone thinks that they can just duplicate what two of the greatest shooters ever play the game, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, everyone thinks that their model is like a one-size-fits-all. No, it's not, okay? Okay, they don't have Marcus Smart, a lockdown guy like him. So why would you have somebody like him shooting so many threes? You, I think you this this NBA where everyone feels like they got to hemorrhage threes is just bad basketball to me. And you have guys that can do other things besides shoot threes, and you take away a lot of their good qualities, and you just put them behind the three-point line. Like Al Horford, obviously, without Bam in the game, they had a mismatch in the post. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't. They did not expose that. And also, I think they didn't uh, really play. I felt like they should have played Robert uh, Williams and Al yep. Horford at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think Williams had a huge impact on the game, yep. his rim protection. And I think Al Horford, he can shoot the mid-range. I don't care mm-hmm. about the analytics. Okay, the guy's made hundreds of millions of dollars shooting that mid-range. And now the analytics tell him to go you know, step behind the three-point line. No, cater to your guys. Adjust, okay? that That is also on Missoula uh, as well. But Spolstra, you know, he's... He's a veteran coach, experienced. He knows what to do in this position. Uh, so obviously it shows uh, why the media was so critical of the Celtics coach. But, man, I really wanted the Celtics to pull it out, but they just no-showed it. It's weird. I don't even dislike the Celtics. I don't dislike Jason Tatum. I think I think you brought up a good point. Like, I don't, I don't you know, it's not fair to question whether he, he's never, never been the kind of guy that's been like a bitch. So, I mean – I believe he was hurt, but I'm like you. It's like, all right, if you're hurt, play, you know, and, <laughs> and, and or if you're if you're playing hurt, play. And then I just felt like the right answer to that question post game is, hey, I'm not gonna make any excuses. Like everybody sees that you're hobbled or whatnot, but um, you know, it it's, it's just one of those things, man. Like you, you feel like you got to play through. I thought Missoula did a good job during regular season. I think in the play, I think in this series in particular. Mm-hmm. You saw that those those guys, like they're top heavy, man. They have really, really good role players, but they don't have like that middle. I mean, Marcus Smart, okay, like Robert Williams, okay, but like they don't have that middle guy, like Derek White, I guess he could generate offense on his own, but he doesn't scare anybody, you know? Like you get a couple guys on these guys, uh, uh, like on even on Miami, which is is even thinner, deeper in the roster, but like, you know, if they had Tyler Hero, he's the kind of dude to just go off right mm-hmm. like even max Struess is a guy that can just go off and, and some of these guys are shooters like pure true shooters um and and where i think boston it relies more on physicality and, and to your point i thought robert williams is a gr- i think he's a great player great post presence he reminds me of like you know you're kind of quintessential dude that's maybe a little undersized i don't know how i don't know how tall he is but he just hustles. He's always around the rim at the right time, making the right plays. He's a great defender. And he seemed kind of, you know, 
an afterthought in the in the grand scheme of things. And um, you know, when those guys' threes weren't falling, it was like, you know, let's just shoot more. And then you could tell the mentality was like, hey, they got to start falling eventually. And you know, I'm no savant, but I was watching Jalen Brown and his 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 like form didn't even look good. Like he didn't even his 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 shooting motion mechanics just seemed like so out of whack that it, you know it, it wasn't really i mean those dudes weren't just like rimming shots out dude they were like they were shooting balls that were like hitting the other side of the backboard so uh yeah i mean it was a it was a struggle and um yeah boston is weird man like i, I there's something to me between the jalen brown and tatum thing um i like jalen brown a lot i like i, I really do like jason tatum too um and and, but something's missing there, and and they don't have. I don't think either one of those guys is like a superstar. I think. I mean, Tatum. Yeah, you could argue, but I mean, dude, I could give you. I mean, who would you rather have, Giannis or Tatum, Embiid or Tatum? You know, LeBron, Steph. You know, I think you're going to pick a lot of guys. Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, right now. I mean, you. Pro- I think a lot of people for the series would say they'd rather have Tatum. And Jimmy didn't play that great mm-hmm. in a lot of games, but you know, he's just kind of exudes uh, more poise and leadership, and everybody rallies around that dude. So um, it was an interesting series and an interesting way to close it out. I thought Game Six was was the real game, you know, and that to me was was just wild how all that went down. I mean, I felt like. The NBA, I was like, bro, the NBA had a meeting with these referees before this game, trying to make sure that it's a game seven. Because there was some calls on the stretch where I was just like, and I don't have a, I don't give a shit who wins this game, to be honest with you. So I'm just thinking to myself, like, how in the hell are like some of these calls getting made? And then that whole ordeal with Jimmy getting fouled and them adding time back on the clock and not quite starting it as soon as the ball was inbounded. I mean, I don't think they should have, I don't think. That last shot should ever happen. But, you know, maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist. But that was, regardless of whether it should have happened or not happened, that was one of the best games I've ever seen, period. That shit was wild. Yeah, it had me on my on my toes. I, I love that game. It was everything that uh, fans wanted. Um, I, I, I looked at that play, and I thought the NBA <laughs> – we can disagree on this one. I, I thought it, there should have been three seconds, but also – uh, I really do like the fact that uh, everything had to happen perfectly. Usually mm-hmm. when you have a long shot like that, there's a long rebound, long shot, long rebound. It's an old saying in basketball, but uh, that shot was probably one of the softest shots that Marcus, Marcus, Marcus Smart shot his whole life mm-hmm. because the bounce, uh, usually you don't get that bounce, especially off a of three. And mm-hmm. so it, it was a luck thing, but uh, yeah, that, that game... <laughs> from start to finish, was an amazing game. And honestly, I thought the Celtics almost just blew it because it seemed like they had a pretty good lead. And then Miami yep. just kept chipping and chipping and chipping away. Mm-hmm. And then Jill, Jimmy made all three of those uh, free Old throws. Jimmy free throw. Oh, yeah. But it was, a, dog method. Man, it was a hell of a series except for Game 7. Game 7 never lived up to what it should have been. But, yeah. Yeah, well, it was uh, just goes to show, man, how hard it is. I mean, this is the first time in in the history of of uh, game sevens where the team was down three zero and forced one. There's only been four of those, and it was the first time that that team had a home court advantage, and Boston had it. And now you got an eight seed facing a uh, Denver's the one seed out of the West, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like 
this is a seesaw right here. And it's like fat kid on one side of the seesaw and, you know, not fat kid on the other side. Cause Denver is a heavy favorite. Uh, they gotta be, um, you know, Adebayo and Jokic. I like Adebayo a lot, but I don't know how they're going to stop that dude. And they got so much size to Miami's. Now, if my, the thing about it is let's just get into it. Right. It's like mm-hmm. Miami, <laughs> Everybody keeps writing them off. I mean, nobody thought they were going to beat Boston. Nobody thought they were, nobody thought they were going to beat any of these people. So, uh, you know, there's something to be said for playing with a chip on your shoulder. But I just, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just jump right back on that train. I love Jimmy. I hope they win it all. I really do. I'm rooting for them, but I don't see it. You know, and uh, I don't know how they can. I don't know how they can win a game. Sleep. This will not last more than five games. They're gonna blow this. Sh- they're gonna blow them out the water. Game one, okay. First of all, they're going to altitude, okay. Mm-hmm. Miami just got through with a seven-game series. Denver is on rest. They're all healthy, okay. Miami's probably flying out there today, okay. They're tired. Um, now they're about to add altitude into it. So if you look at Denver's record on back-to-backs where a team plays a game that flies into D- Denver the next day and plays, Denver's probably about an 80%, 80, 80% winning percentage on those games at home because of the altitude. I think they're just going to destroy them. I think all that's going to play a, fact, a factor. I think game one's going to be a blowout. I think game two will be pretty close. And then they're going to go down to... Is it three two? Uh, do they split the games, or is it two two one one still? I think it's two two one one. All right, two two. So they're going to go to Miami for game three. Miami What's might your favorite s- outfit. <laughs> what? <Two-two. laughs> uh, they'll split a game, maybe in Miami. Then they'll come back home and win it uh, in Denver. That's my prediction. I don't even think it's going to be a series. I think they'll have a couple close games. Yeah, I asked. I asked AI. <laughs> They gave me Denver in six, but they also I asked them to give me a game by game breakdown, and they broke it down seven games, and they said that the Heat were the defending champions. So I don't know how much I believe what they're saying. Six is kind of they also called Jokic the best player in the world, and I think there's an argument made for that right now. Um, yeah, there's just no answer for that guy. And Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Porter. I mean, their team is stacked. Um, I the truth is is I don't see you know unless. They're sort of like out of rhythm. There's some argument to be made for like you got too much rest and Miami is just, you know, staying in routine. Okay, fine. He, Jimmy guaranteed game seven win. They won. Miami booked the flight to Denver before game seven even started. That was all in the news. So, I mean, look, man, these guys are supremely confident. It would be one of the, got to be one of the be- bigger upsets in the history of sports if they pull this off. But I'm with you, man. Like, I want to see it happen, but I don't see it happening. Um, it's the end of the road here. Denver, I guess this will be their first first uh, championship. You can go ahead and chalk it up. I mean, this is going to be their first championship in the history of their franchise. Nuggets in four. Um, wow. Ain't no stopping them. Sweet. Yeah. Sweat. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, man. Sports are over for the summer. So, uh, we got you know. the Stanley Cup. Oh yeah, how much of that are you gonna watch? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd rather um, rather not. Um, it's in Vegas, in Florida. Yeah, that's about all it's got going for it. 
Um, you think LeBron could actually retire? No way. This guy's got to have a farewell tour. You think LeBron would retire without having a farewell tour? Dude, LeBron's humble, man. Oh, all my God. LeBron's humble. Oh, my God. This dude is not going to retire. He wants to go out the way Kobe did. He wants all, a lot of attention. I don't see this guy ever going out without anything else. I mean, Tim Duncan went out. Coach Williams went out the right way. But guys nowadays, man, these great players, they want to have, like, especially somebody like LeBron, they want to have, Everybody kind of congratulate them, which he deserves. If he wants that, and he's he's done enough for the NBA, uh, so he should get it. But I don't see the him retiring without a farewell tour. No way, dude. He was like top ten player in the league this year. That's why he's not retiring. I mean, <laughs> he's still good. I mean, and they, they're talking about all these trade scenarios to get him to Golden State. Like, I could see him doing some shit like that, trying to trying to lobby for a trade to get somewhere where he knows he's got a better chance to win. But uh, it is it is kind of funny to think about, like, and, and also I think he got a lot of criticism for saying that and kind of taking the attention off of, you know, um, Mello, Denver, and and all that other stuff, Mello. But I think it was a natural reaction to a question right after a game. Like you just, dude, you just gassed after you're 38 years old. You're still doing what you're doing. You're the only reason this team's where they are. If you're a human being, you got to feel like, man, I don't know if I want to do this shit anymore. So, um, you know, I don't fault him for saying that. I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that there was some underlying message. And if there was, it was probably you know right up there with him understanding, you know, how to lobby for getting what he wants from from the people that that need to think that's an opportunity. Man, he's not stupid. So, um, you know. I think LeBron will probably play five more years, dude. He'll probably be out there in a wheelchair. I've said this before. If if I'm LeBron, I would I would do the same thing. Okay. And the reason I say that is because listen, Anthony Davis hasn't been the guy that everyone thought he was gonna be. Mm-hmm. We'll put that out there. Yeah, he he puts up really good stats, but he hasn't been this guy that's taken all the pressure off LeBron. Anthony Davis at this point in, in LeBron's career, career should be the best player for the Lakers. Okay, LeBron shouldn't have to carry this heavy load. Okay, that's why they need to bring in a guy like Damian Lillard who will do that. Okay, I don't care if they trade Anthony Davis. Okay, trade Anthony Davis, get Damian Lillard, and then I would say even get like a like a low tier like NBA star. I don't I don't know who like a. I'm not saying get Jalen Brown, but somebody mm-hmm. around that. And I think I think you have a contending team uh, with those players. I, I, I really do sleep. I think the, he needs an all-star to take that workload off to allow him to keep playing. And then when it comes to playoff time, then you can ask LeBron mm-hmm. to be the LeBron that, uh, you know, has paid the big bucks. Yeah, I mean, he's a creator. He's a facilitator. You know, offense runs through him and that sort of stuff. And, like, Davis is great. I think Davis is a good player when he's healthy and when he's playing well. But he doesn't check all the same boxes that LeBron does. And to your point, like, you know, that team relies on LeBron to to create. And, um, yeah, getting some support there with a guy. Shot clock's running down. Like, I mean, sure, AD can pull one from three, but he ain't supposed to be out there. Yeah. Right. So like you get another guy that can that can fill that void and and I think uh I think you're right. I think I think we we said this maybe last part of the pod before, like LeBron needs to be in a situation right now where he's the second option, maybe even the third option, right? And there's some really good team. There's some teams with some really, really good players. I mean, Chris Bosch was a great third option. It's not like it's a mm-hmm. a downgrade and LeBron is don't be freaking forty, dude. So um, you know, it's not un 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 
reasonable to say he needs more around him at this stage of his career. I mean, he took this team to the to the to the brink here, and um, you know, the <laughs> dude's just been <laughs> been really good for a really long time. So I don't give a, I don't really care what shit people have to talk about him. Um, I don't know, man. There ain't a whole lot going on in the in the NBA landscape. Um, or in the sports landscape, besides the NBA, golf is a snoozer. Football is like way too far off in the distance. I got a question for you, your guy, yeah. Bob Myers. You you've been texting me on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead and explain what's going on because you've got an interesting theory on this. So Bobby's out of there. So he's the general manager, architect of the dynasty, right? Bob Myers, general manager, just had a little presser today. I think I don't know if he's even ha- actually had the presser, but Shams just swooped in, told you he's leaving. So the question everybody's asking, is this the end of the dynasty, right? And I was reading a couple articles, and I saw a really interesting – actually, it was a comment. It wasn't from anybody, a tweet or anything, but somebody said they think he's leaving now or surmise that he might be leaving now because um, he doesn't want to be the guy responsible. He knows that team's got to break up, and he doesn't want to be the one responsible for it. And I thought that was a good take on it. I just think that, yeah, they, they, they're in on this two-timeline thing, and I think the challenge is is that, you know – the team is at a crossroads. It's like you got one of the greatest players that ever lived. Do you do you mortgage the future and just win as many as you can now, or do you hang on and develop these guys that you've got? And it's very apparent with Wiseman, with Moody, with Kaminga that they're not invested enough in that option. Right? They got one foot in, like halfway in, and I think Myers realizes that. You know. Um, the end is coming regardless for that for that dynasty and and he's smart enough i think to kind of quit while he's ahead and get somewhere else where he can kind of recreate that and honestly i wouldn't be able to i wouldn't be surprised to see Kaminga follow him and maybe a couple of those other younger guys that he's he's bet some chips on but they say he's got a great relationship with Kerr, great relationship with Draymond, great relationship with with Steph so it's an interesting thing but but he's he's got to be leaving for a reason cuz they offered him a bunch of money I, okay, he's gonna be GM somewhere though, right? You don't oh, think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, what if they know? What if he knows that they really want LeBron, and he doesn't want to be the guy who goes out and gets LeBron? Like he has something like, hey, I don't want to be this like, like we created this team organically. Yeah, we got Kevin uh, Durant, but I don't want to be part of this superhero stuff. Like I don't want to be part of these super teams. I, I, sun, sun's going on with him. Something weird, yeah. Because I mean, maybe, maybe, dude, maybe he just wants another challenge. Maybe he just likes the architecture of this stuff and just wants to go somewhere else where, you know, I, I, he can build. Maybe he knows. All right, listen, he's a former agent. I think he's. I think something's up. I think LA might be swapping out GMs or the Clippers or something. He must know something's up. I think I'd, I'd be. I'd be very skeptical. I'd watch and see what's happening with the Clippers and the and the Lakers to see if there's some movement in those those management spots because I could see him swooping in and being a GM for one of those teams. There's a lot of things getting shaken up. Or New York. Yep, a lot of players, a lot of coaches, and there's a lot of big names out there. So, especially front office coaching type people, there's a lot to to sort of build from in certain situations. But uh, who knows, man? Ain't nothing going. It's so boring. Like you just get to a full stop and then just try to figure it out. Anyway, we'll keep you posted as soon as we know. But uh, hang in there with us. 
You got anything else, Big Hawk? Stay safe. Stay safe, everybody, for crying out loud.